This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, so can just have a sheet also? I can have one sheet? Okay. So I guess it's a two-part series about Torah Shaval and I would like to just, it's, it's one of these terms that we use a lot, but sometimes we're vague in defining it. So I'd like to discuss a few things about it. Okay, l- let's start with a very basic definition of what Torah Shavalpeh is and what's required. Um, let's take, I guess, let's start with the, with the Goya, with the Christians. It's a good place to start always. So you have Catholics who the Pope knows it all, and he has the Masoras, and he makes the Masoras, and, you know, it's, it's what he says, and the plain people are best left not to know anything, and so on. You have the Protestants, who different variations. You have the Bible, this is God's word. Take it, read it, and do as it says. That is Torah Shabbat. In other words, we take out a Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah itself is the written word of God, and go for it. That would be Torah Shabbat. There are a few problems with that. So let's take out that Sefer Torah and let's find the problems of why that couldn't work, why it's impossible to say that Hashem gave that Sefer Torah for us to follow. Let's take the first problem. In the first, and this is the first level of Torah Shabbat, which, which many people um, don't even recognize as being Torah Shabbat, and that is you come to a Pasuk that says, Lamed Aleph, Tov Beis Shin Lamed, Gimel Dalad Yud, Beis Ches Lamed Beis, Aleph Mem Vav. The word Lamed Aleph can be read as low. That's about the only way it can be read, basically, so that's fine. Low. Sevashel is pretty much the only way you can read it. Gidi, Gidi. Now, is that Bechalav or Bechalev? Does it mean in its mother's fat or its mother's milk? Um, either one fits the letters that are written there. They mean two separate things. So, so let's take the example of... of um, so if a person has a, a, um, a Sefer Torah with the letters of the Lord on it, then he is stumped. Is Bechalav read Chalev or Cholov? Either one makes equal sense. I don't know why you can't cook the milk in, in the meat and milk. I don't know why you can't cook it in fat. Either one's fine with me. I could make a drasha for both of them. I could do equally well coming up with reasons for both. So we have a whole section of Torah Shabbat, meaning something that's not written in that Sefer Torah, that's an absolute necessity. You cannot logically say that the Torah, Sefer Torah was given to be followed because there are many words there that can't be decoded. If we're missing, imagine in English, if you don't have the A-E-I-O-U, the vowels, um, you're stuck. Some consonants you can read, some you can't. So that's the first instance of Torah. And that's why, incidentally, it would make life a lot easier getting a Balkriya if you could put vowels in the Sefer Torah. Um, forget about Trump and everything else. So um, having vowels in the Sefer Torah would make life easier. Halacha is its puzzle if there are vowels there. There's actually a fascinating shaila in Halacha. This is, only Jews could think of it. Uh, I guess modern Jews. Um, you can't put any vowels in anything in the Sefer Torah. What about if I take a plastic sheet and I have you know, the letters are see-through, but I have the vowels made on the plastic sheets. So I get to every, every urea, and I put it down. Would it be kosher or not? It's a fascinating Shiloh. I, I mean, it's certainly, it probably technically would be kosher, and it's not to be the spirit of the law. We were speaking about a Shiloh. You know, we, we mentioned that's the reason why you can't have the kudos in the Sefer Torah. So someone has a question, what if you would have a plastic sheet, see-through sheet, with it fits onto Sefer Torah and it fills in the, the nekudos and the trap wherever you don't have it. Would that be halakhically <laughs> permissible or not? But at any rate, so that's our first instance 
of Torah Shaval Peh, meaning the first layer that necessitates some sort of tradition is vowels. Chalav and Chalav is extreme, but many, many others, past tense, future tense, um, and so on and so forth, and different word meaning, that's one. Next, let's take a Pasuk. It says, Kol um, Bishabbos, Mois Yumas. That's a Pasuk. So assume we have the vowels here, and we can read it. Kol Bishabbos, Mois Yumas. Now, that sentence has two meanings, both of them equally plausible, and both of them um, could work. One could be, if you do malacha, it's talking about Shabbos, you do malacha, then on Shabbos take the person out and kill him. Make an example on Shabbos, like maybe between Shabbos and Musaf, before Kiddush, hang the guy or something like that. You know, that would, that would be kind of a, 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 a way of doing it. Or, Kalaisa malacha b'Shabbos, most you must. Both of them are grammatically correct. Both of them are sensible. It's, it's like it says, you know, you take him out to the Pesach, Hashar, and so on. And yet, one is correct and one is incorrect. That requires some sort of tradition in how to punctuate the Pasuk. And that's our second level of, um, of Torah Shavar Peh. And that's called Taimea Mikra. Taimea means they give meaning and understanding. We cannot make this, there are no periods in the Torah, and we could we could run together sentences and come up with some fascinating halachas. I want to show just two examples. We do it in yeshiva every Shabbos. Besides this, the Sodeh Torah that we do, one of the things we do also is I, I want to sensitize people to trop, because people just think of trop as a, as, a, as the melody. They don't recognize the punctuation aspect. So I have it collected over the years and um, places where there are actual things you learn, amazing things from the way the pasuk is split. Um, I took it from other farms on my and, and we do two or three every Shabbos and, and it's amazing. I want to take two, just two that really I, I took at random that I just plucked out that are an amazing example of what Trump is. I wrote down my account, I wouldn't remember it. Okay. Um, the first one is we have two psukim that um, <coughs> say the same thing, and yet the Gemara understands it very differently. One Pasuk is, it says, um, here it is, they, they made the ephod, they, they wove the ephod, that's the garment of the of the Kohen Gadol, the, the one that he wore on, in the back, sort of. Klil um, totally out of Tcheles. Completely out of Tcheles. Um, the same Pasik is written in the Parshas Tetzaveh, where um, it says over there that you make the ephod, and it says, I wrote down here, Uh, sorry, it says on the me'il, but she says me'il ha'efod klil tcheles. Both are the same thing. You make it um, totally tcheles. Now, um, the Gemara darshans in the Pasuk in Tetzavik, klil tcheles, that you cannot have any other type of something in the dye. It, it has, the tcheles paint has to be pure and the um, and you cannot have like if you if you made the dye in a, in, in a pot that you made yellow color or pink color or non trailers blue that that's you can't do that it has to be 100% pure trailers the dye in the Pasik in in Pukude, um the Gemara Darshans that the entire garment has to be trailers and not it's not about the diet. So how does the Gemara know? Like, it seems it's random. Well, let's take a look at the trap. In, in Tetzaveh, we have a, a trap alignment, which is klil tcheles, it goes, vasisas mil ha'efod, you shall make the ephod. Now, there is a, a tipcha on ephod. Tipcha is sort of a stop. 
klul tchelas, total tchelas. In other words, the word total is modifying the word tchelas. So it's tchelas that is totally tchelas. Over here, the tipcha is on the word kalil. So the way to read it is, you shall make it, you shall make the ephod um, totally of tchelas. In other words, is the total modifying the, the, the first half of the sentence, the garment, or is it modifying the tchelas? Amazing. That's exactly what the Pasuk says, because that's how we would say it. Let's say we are talking to you, and I wanted to say, I want this made out of 100% pure blue. I tell you, I want this colored with, with 100% blue. Or I would say, I want this 100% colored with blue. And, and the, the gap that, they, that I would put in. So this is a piece of information which tells us the meaning of the Pasuk. Khalil Tcheles can mean totally of Tcheles, or of total tchelis. So here we have an example, and this is through and through. I want to show one more example that I thought was extraordinary. Um, it's a malbum, and I remember when I learned it in yeshiva, I said if, if we would be a little bit, um, if we would be people of, of, of more um, sensitivity, we would make a record on this. There's, there's a, in the beginning of Ayikra, the Pasik says that v'samach yodo you shall put your hands on the head of the Ola. Now, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Gemara Darshans, from three different places that it says, Al Rosh, it has to be on the head, it cannot be on the shoulders, it cannot be on the front, it cannot be on the back. Three places where I would have thought is in the area of them. So the Malden says, there are ten places in the Torah where it says Al-Rosh. Um, why, why, um, why they just, the seem just that random to choose three places? It, it's kind of whatever they want, they, they dash wherever they want, like they needed a Josh over here, like things were getting slowed down, needed a Josh, and they came up with them. Where's it coming from? So the Malden says, of the ten places, seven of them, the, the time Amikra is where Al-Rosh has a makaf. In other words, um, there's a line like this joining together, which is it's a type of trap, and it signifies it's almost as one word. So that's what I say on top of the head. When, when we would speak, we would slur the words together, because it's like one place on top of the head. Seven of those places. Three of those places, including here, there is a, a, a gap. It's Al-Rosh Ha'ola. There's no makaf, and each one has its own trap. It's a mercha, which means it's joins, but not quite. Now, let's play it out how we would say it. If I tell you, put it on top of the closet, th- then I mean to tell you, because last time you put it near the closet, not on top of the closet. You, you hear, when, when I want to say, oh, put it on top of the closet, I, I don't mean anything in particular, I just mean put it on top of the closet. When I emphasize, I make a pause, I put it on top of the closet, it means because last time you sort of threw it in uh, near or around. So when the Torah puts a makaf in it, there's nothing meant to be emphasized by that word on top of the, on the roshola. But when, when the Torah it, it makes that gap, it's emphasizing on top. And, and therefore, there are three places the Torah is kind of on top of the head, not on the back, not on the front, not on the side. So here we have the trap is the second um, layer of, um, of Torah Shabbat You must have it in order to have meaning, and we don't have it in the Torah. It's not written. So to read it intelligently, you must have it. Um, there's another variation of trap that's important for that same thing. You have words in Hebrew that have two meanings, Two, usually it's, 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 um, it's, it's the tense, depending on whether the emphasis is the beginning or the end. For instance, the word ba'a can mean is coming or came, depending on where the emphasis is. First vowel, second vowel. Um, Rashi mentioned it a few times. Um, the, there are words such as bina that can be a noun or a verb, depending on where you emphasize. Bina 
is, 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 is a noun. Bina is a verb. So the simple meaning of the words cannot be guessed from the letters we have in the Torah without having the second layer of Torah, and that's the trap. So we have two layers. There's a third layer that's absolutely necessary. And that is, you know, we grow up with certain things that we tend to take for granted, like vocabulary. Um, so we, we, we drilled in from a young age what words mean, and then when someone else says, I know what you mean, you say it's obvious. You know, and it's, it's because it's been drilled in a certain way. The Torah is, a, 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 like every other document written in Hebrew, where you can guess at the meaning from the context. So when a word is used 25 times, we know what the word means, and, and, we, can, and, we, can, and we can get a sense of the context. There are words that might have double meanings or are one of a kind. For instance, let's take something that in this week's Sedra. It says, kol gadol, a big sound, velo yosaf, and it never again velo yosaf. Now, the word yosaf in Hebrew it can come from two different roots. There is asaf, and there is hosaf. One means to gather in, to sort of stop, like a person who dies. You know, asaf as rucho means to die, gathered in. And yosef means, tosef means to um, add, to increase. So velo yosef means equally well in Hebrew. It didn't increase or it never stopped. It, it, it didn't get stronger or didn't stop. Either one would be correct. <coughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those words that has two possible meanings. Which one does it mean? So we have the next layer of Torah Rappé, which is called Targum. So Targum Onkelis, even the Targum we have is a second version of it. The Gemara says we forgot the original one and, we, and was reconstructed. But there needed to be a, a, a glossary of terms that cannot be guessed internally. So it is interesting, by the way, that as far as trop go and as far as unculus goes, there are arguments. And it's not clear, for instance, when you have some shitas and gemaras seem to be going along with the trop, some not. Devanesis says you must absolutely always explain the psukim in line with the trop, and he himself sometimes doesn't. And others, do they feel there's a mistake? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a riddle, and same thing with the targum. Um, Rashi, most of the time, or many times, explains in line with the Targum, sometimes not. I don't know exactly how to explain it. But whatever it is, so we have three layers of Torah Shabbat before we even go further. So that means for the Bible-thumping, say for Torah-thumping guy who comes and says, hey, this is God's words, how dare you add anything? They say, I don't see God's words. These are half-words. You can't read this and in, in, tell, in any way intelligibly because it's not going to uh, mean anything unless you have vowels. Where are the vowels? Well, everybody knows. What do you mean everybody knows? Where do they know it from? Well, that's what you were taught. Okay, so, so, so we need something else. Well, the, uh, yes? The first two are unique to Lashna Kodesh and the third one is, is true with any language, any document? It's true with any document except that most documents are meant to be in, 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 a, in, a, in a context of in a contemporary context. So, for instance, if 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 the lawyers, if if the if the government makes a law, it's expected that either it's in a language that has the meaning everybody understands, or it's deliberately obfuscated so the lawyers would have panasa. But 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 it's meant one would uh, one would guess that the meaning is contemporary. But if you were to pull out an English document of six hundred years ago, there'd be words that you would either not know or you would. They could be different meanings. So if, if the Torah, if I, if, if I don't need to have a Rebbe or anyone to ask what it means, and I would simply just pull out a Sefer Torah and read from it and do as it says, there'd be many words that it's up in the air, toss, toss a coin. It could mean, does it also mean this or that? It, it could mean either one. So the, the, um, the, 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 there has to be some sort of tradition as to what the meaning of the word is over there. Those are three things. Um, yes, they might be, it would be true of any document. Well, I mean, we have modern punctuation for that reason, um, so that solves that problem. And in other languages other than Hebrew don't have this valve. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe others do, but so non-language. I feel that the Torah itself is an incomplete document, but 
Well, well, one second. We're not even holding there yet. We're, 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 this is way before we got to this. We're, this is th- these are areas that even before the point. Now we're going to to go to go to that point. But I'm 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 holding just simply at the first level of intelligent reading, and that's these are three areas that if anyone tells you, um, you know, you you know, this is God's word, and the answer is um, we don't have God's word. We have it's it's like it's like those old time codes where you break something in half and until the other person doesn't come with the other half a piece, the first half is not complete. Okay. Can I, yes, please. It's off topic, please stop, but uh, the Sadducees, if I'm correct, the yeah. times, what was there, if you could say, have a minute that there was no such thing as a Torah Balpe? So, they were living in the times of Rebecca Kiva and all this... Well, uh, so okay. Let let let's let's pause your question. First of all, we did have the Karaites in in recent history. Recent history means in Nebuchadnezzar's time, in the Rambam's time, in Sadigon's times. They were they were kind of our contestants. The Karaites actually survived till World War Two. There were Karaite communities in Europe, in Truk, and in, in Crimea, and other places. They had scholars who wrote works. It, it, um, the Karaite communities. Um, two things. First of all, we know clearly where they came from. The, 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 it was a political fight. There was Anand ben David, and this is written, documented. He was very upset that he wasn't appointed to be the Gaon, that it was like the head of the community. And he said, you know, damn the establishment. Um, everybody take out your own commission and do as you please. Just listen to me. I mean, that was basically the message. And that's where the character community formed. And you always have people that are malcontents and they don't want, and that's it. The irony is, even the Karaites, there were a lot of basic stuff that they, that you know, anything that they didn't make an issue of, they kept the way we did. It was, it was weird because at the end of the day, you, you, you can't just do whatever you feel like. Um, so there is a sense of what's, what's meant by it. Um, but any of these questions in every, you know, you go back to Dora Midbar and you have Moshe Abeno, you have this. And, and the answer is for every generation, the great people and the people who rebelled, Kashbrochu made them equal in the sense of the guts to take on someone and enough of a confidence to feel that you know you can um, you can face off. Okay, so now let. It because because it, it's just like you could. I mean, you can even look back in history sometimes in recent history, people. Um, felt upset about something, and when you're personally very upset, you begin to rationalize. And you say, well, this person might have been a great person, but he's severely flawed. Moshe Rabbeinu might be a great person, but he is a human being, and when it comes to family, he may have been blind, and he may have... I mean, people don't know this history, but in Vilna, there, uh, they, there was no Rav. After Vilna Garden's times, there was no Rav. Um, it was tradition that, you know, Vilna... After World War One, um, a certain group of people wanted to appoint a rav. Not a bad person, but somebody who was not up to the stature of Chaim Ezekjansky. Chaim Ezekjansky was, was the god of by everyone's reckoning. And someone else was appointed, or a group of people appointed him. And there was a big fight about it. Many Dolly's role were against this other person. And, and they said it's a chutzpah for Chaim Ezekjansky in the city. And Chavetz Chaim was one of the people that stood, Chavetz Chaim held Chaim Ezekjansky being the, the Melech of Yisrael, his... his his harocha uh, for his appreciation of Rabbi Chaim was boundless. And they came out in a newspaper article that Chavetz Chaim is speaking Lashon Hara. You know, where's the great Chavetz Chaim he, if he's, he's about Lashon Hara? If we look at it today, we, we wonder how could people have thought... It, it, the answer is, Kashbrochu always makes the Yitzhahara equal to the Yitzhahara and vice versa. So that's the way it is. You know, it's, it's a... Um, it, it's, uh, it, they're, all, they're always equally matched. And when a person is angry and upset... And and uh, hurt personally hurt. There's usually there's no end to what a person can can. Well, on, a, on a technical level, do they read or kind of and how do they decide? So 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 the answer is they also there's no way there's you know there's no way around this. So at the end of the day, they read everything except for whatever they wanted to contest. They read differently, you know, just like the Christians, they interpret metaphorically things they would like to, such as eating. A tray for whatever it is, or um, they, they, however they want anything else that they would like to believe in. Yes, there is an internal contradiction in it. Without, 
without you cannot make the Torah an intelligent document without recourse to what was to a tradition of some sort. Now we only spoke we spoke about three laws. Let's look at now let's take a look at the Rambam and Pirish Mishnayis in Israel. So the Rambam start now this is the, the Rambam it, it's on the third page. One, two, third page over here, it's Bayes over here. The Rambam um, of the Rambam's works, one of those that are very significant is he wrote five introductions in in um, t- to different works. Um, all of uh, I mean, all of them are great works. Uh, two or three of them are works that stand alone, um, not only as introductions to particular material. His introduction to Mishnayis, to his Pirsha Mishnayis, is an introduction to the concept of Shabbat prophecy, um, and things of that nature, as one would expect, and it stands alone as Ashkafet work. It, one does not have to continue learning his Pirsha Mishnayis. He wrote an introduction to Perik Chelek, which is a remarkable work, and that stands alone, obviously, as a, a basic Ashkafa, Yudgimel Ikrim is taken from there. That's where he first lays out Yudgimel Ikrim. Um, he wrote a Hakdama to, to Taharos in Mishnayis, which um, is, is part of Taharos. You know, in other words, it, it's, it's simply an introduction to Taharos. It's, it, if, you, if you're not learning uh, uh, Taharos, so, you know, it's of limited value. It's, 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 it's just an introduction to that. He wrote a Hakdama to Pirke Ovos that's called Shmona Prokim, the main reason is because it's eight prakim, and uh, you know it doesn't have any other name than that. And there he discusses some basic inyanim of um, personality and 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 things of that nature, um, in line with Pikavis. Also, particularly on you know those those are his main hakdamis, and um, three of the four certainly were are are very important to learn. Um, as standalones, they have. They don't need. They, 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 you can you can do the shmona prakim without his pirsham on on uh, Avis, and it stands alone as a, as a great work. So this is his akdama to say the zroim, to pirsham shnais. I'm going to skip <coughs> the first paragraph. Is kaptu chachamim. Um, the the first hakdama here is the hakdama of a translator. Uh, the Rambam wrote every work of his in Arabic, except for Yad Chazaka, and that's why sometimes, it, it, you know, in Pesach Mishnayis, we're not sure about a word or so because it's a translation. But uh, other than that, certainly the main thing. So the second paragraph, Da. Okay, Da. Kikol Mitzvah, Shenosan Akadosh Baruch Hu Moshebeinu Hashalom, Nitnolo Befirusha. Every mitzvah that Karish Prochu gave Moshe Rabbeinu, he also gave him the explanation. Haya omolo ha mitzvah, omolo pirusha vinyana, and then he would tell it, he would tell us its explanation and all about it. The Cholmashu Kolo everything that the Sefatorah includes. Okay, so let's stop and let's discuss this. Um, I, 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 let's. First of all, if you take a look at the at Mishnah Torah, which is the Rambam's great work of encapsulating the entirety of Torah, he has a very interesting way of structuring it. His internal structure is meticulous, logical, laid out, in, in almost in a perfect array of going from the from the bottom up, the the, the, the general rules, the details, details of the details. Amazingly, it's amazing work for that. But he has a, a very interesting way of doing it. At the beginning of each section, he lays out which mitzvahs is he going to explain. In other words, the mitzvahs in the Torah. Which ones of the six of the mitzvahs are being explained over here? Now, sometimes you can have like one chapter explaining 12 mitzvahs and 13 chapters explaining one mitzvah. It, it, it bears very little relationship. It's not like 13 mitzvahs, 13 chapters, or 26 chapters, or whatever it is. It's, some mitzvahs require a voluminous amount of explanation. For instance, there's a mitzvah to judge 
a monetary affairs going to the Torah. That, that requires a huge amount of information, but it, it falls under one mitzvah, whereas some other, you have sometimes the Torah gave a dozen mitzvahs for something that has relatively few details. But the Rambam's perspective on Torah is commandments with explanations and expositions about them. So the Torah says, like you mentioned before, keep Shabbos, bring a carbon. We would be paralyzed. And so what does it mean to keep Shabbos? Don't worry. I mean, does it mean everybody do as they please? And first of all, it's logically, it's a stretch. You could say so, but... You know, somebody once, I had a, a neighbor of mine in Eretz, in Eretz Yisrael. He, um, he, he was, it was actually a Satmar Chassid who became a Zionist. He, he got smicha from Satmar Rav. And after the, before the war, he told me he had become a, Zion, a closet Zionist, then he became a Zionist. And he was a commander in Jerusalem during the 48th war of the, of the southern section. And he had a group of Hasidim in his unit. And it was not easy to train Hasidim. They they just come from different culture. And he told them in Hebrew, you know, Yashar, it's like stand straight, upright, straight. So they slouched, they 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 you know they sort of sway, whatever. And I told one guy, I said Yashar. So the guy says, This is my Yashras. This is my sense of straight. You know, everyone can interpret straight as he feels. And he's, he said, Oh, with a smile, he would have left. You know, this is my this is my Yeshua. The the um, the the, the uh, if if the Torah is meant to be a document to teach us right from wrong, if we can interpret the details of right and wrong, then everybody would accept the Torah lovingly and would mean very little. I mean, I, there are very few people. I'm not also a psychopath. Very few people that don't want to do right. It's always the details of what entails what, what is what's called right and what's called wrong. If 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 it was just make Shabbos a day of rest or honor Shabbos, then, then I honor it my way. So my way is going to the beach. My way is is an extra day at the factory because I just love the factory. And my day is this. My day is that. It, it means nothing. Something that can mean whatever you want it to mean is abs- of absolutely zero moral value. So the Torah must have that. And the Torah has it. And the Torah itself, the written words, are a, a rule, a klal, and the pirush of it was given. So the Torah says, sit in a sukkah for seven days. What is a sukkah? How is a sukkah? You know, the details, uh, and, and so on and so forth. That was given to Sinai. But the Rambam, exp- the Rambam gives us a, a framework for how to distinguish Torah, um, Torah, Torah Shabbat is the mitzvah. It's a direct commandment. And the pirush is interpretation. L- let's take something contemporary um, and th- how we, we, we see something like that. When, you, when, when, a, when a legislating body, when a legislative body legislates a law, no matter how well written and how well crafted, it doesn't cover, it, it cannot possibly cover every detail. I mean, the situation might arise. And then you need someone to interpret the law in what it means in this situation, this situation, this situation. Now, it's a bit of a fiction that this is what the lawmaker meant, but at the end of the day, that's how the system works. You know, we're basically saying the intent of the law in this situation, this situation is as follows. For us, the basic level of detail of law is called discrimination, and that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai. That is the first point that he makes over here. He also adds, and everything that the Sefer Torah includes. Now, I'm not sure <coughs> as what he's adding with these words. It's a little bit rough because the Rambam in Yada Hazaka, in his main Sefer, Mishnah Torah, it's written in Hebrew, it was written in Hebrew, and every point is put down that way. Um, this is an interpret. This is a translation, and there are today translations that claim to be better. Um, I'll just tell you. Th- this is the classic translation. There was somebody called Rabbi Yosef Kapach in Israel. He was a Yemenite. He, he Yemenites are extremely dedicated to Rambam's Torah. They use the Rambam's psak as real psak. Um, he put out a translation that he felt was he knew Arabic 
perfectly well. He was grew up in Arab countries. He was a great admirer of Rambam, and he was he was a chashvarav, and he put out a new translation. Um, recently, in in recent years, there's put out a machon, a Holland Institute called Maor, put out a six volume set of a translation. They also add all sorts of emendations, like other what other manuscripts write and things of that nature compared to other things. It's a very well, um, you know, it's, it's a very well-researched work. And if you're ever stuck on something like this, it's a good place to look. I didn't have it with me, um, but definitely something. So, but I would guess that what he means is, besides mitzvahs, there are other things in the Sefer Torah. Um, all sorts of stories. Stories about Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov and the story that's written leaves us puzzled many times as to some of the details. In other words, there are details that, that are not necessary, but the many details that are necessary, how to look at it, how to understand it. So everything that was written in the Sefer Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu had a basic explanation of it. And I, I want to stress that word. He says the word pirusha, which means its explanation. It means the basic explanation. Not everything could or would be covered with that explanation. So I tell you what a sukkah is. So I need to know the basic laws of sukkah that's there. But many situations will arise that couldn't have been guessed at, or um, you know, it's just there's just an infinite combination of situations, and that's not written. But Torah and its pirush was written. Okay. Next, the Rambam goes over here. Um, he explains how this was then promulgated. It's Gemara and Ervin, and I will just, I'll skim through it, and I'll, 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 I'll explain it in English, so we'll save a bit of time. Um, Moshe, so Hashem gave it to Moshe. Moshe would come in, and Aaron would come. Moshe would tell him the mitzvah once. He would tell him the mitzvah that was written, and he would teach the Pirush. Now, um, again, I, I don't, I'm not reading from the Arabic, I wouldn't be able to read it from the Arabic, but the, the Rama makes clear that there's a difference between the two. He would tell him the mitzvah that was given, and he would teach him the Pirush. One possible, there are two things I think that are emphasized in this Rambam. And they're true um, in, in, for the generations to come. In, in, in the written Torah, changing one word of the way it's written is you haven't given over what's written. So if a Balkriya makes a mistake, it's, it's appropriate to fix it. You're not supposed to have a mistake. It's, it's wrong and so on. The, um, however, in Gemara, the language was never frozen. Not only Gemara, the basic Torah Shabal Peh, he says he taught him it's the Pirish. It's, it goes in both directions. You cannot, if you teach a person the words that are frozen and he doesn't understand it, you have not learned Torah Shabal Peh. If a person reads Torah Shabak Sav and even if he, he's, that's Talmud Torah. <coughs> so if reading from Sefer Torah is a Talmud Torah, and that's why we read the Torah for everybody. If a person studies Gemara by reading it without understanding it, that's not Gemara. Torah Shabbat Peh requires to be taught as opposed to be told. Can you just be more specific what you mean by understanding the Torah? Basic, I I just mean... On what level? Huh? On what level? Simple, I'm not not, nothing big. I just mean, you understand, he asked the question, it's this, and it just makes sense to you. This is a question, this is an answer, and so on. Um, the words themselves are simply a means, and, and that's why many people in yeshivas, they, they you know, Mishnayis, they would learn Balpeh. Gemara, there was a more emphasis on learning Shakla Vitar Balpeh, meaning giving it over in your words. I mean, I can tell you as a teacher, if you test somebody and he, he, he's stuck with certain words, if, if, if someone repeats to you, you know, you, you taught something in class, and you ask somebody to repeat it to you, and repeats it to you word for word, the person has not understood it. Because no two people understand the same set of words. So when you're referencing what it says, 
quoting verbatim is the perfect way. So, so when I quote a Rambam, I need to quote him the way he wrote it. When I explain it, I need to explain it in my words. And, and without explaining it in my words, I, I'm, I'm missing it. You, 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 can, you can rest assured, anyone who ever repeats things that he heard verbatim is, is not, doesn't understand what was meant. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's appropriate to, to, to quote it verbatim and then to explain it, to use it in your own words, to re, re-explain it, to, to, to have a problem with it. So he makes a distinction. He doesn't say he taught him the Torah and it's Pirish. He told him. It, it was sort of a statement as to what's written, and he taught him the Pirish. And that's why um, lear- learning Torah Shavapet requires understanding it. It has to sit on you at a simple level. Okay, it then says, I'll, I'll sort of encapsulate the rest part, that they would go in and out from him. He, he's, he, Aaron stood there, and then Aaron's children came in, and, um, and Moshe would teach it to them in front of Aaron. Then they would be standing there, and the elders came in, and, he, and Moshe would teach the elders. And finally, all of Israel came in, and he taught them, and he and and taught them Tartar. Then Moshe left, and Aaron taught him everything. And then Aaron left, and then they taught. So, so everybody learned it four times. Everybody heard it at least once from Moshe, and so on. That's the way the Gemara in, in, in Erevin explains it, and that's why he brings it with in, in great detail. Um, and then he says they would go and learn everybody with everybody else, and they would um, write down the mitzvah on a piece of paper on a megillah. And um, people will go around and make sure that they knew this stuff. Um, okay, and let's skip down to about six lines on the bottom. It's, so he says they would, wrote, they would write the mitzvah, which is the Torah piece, onto a Megillah. They would have people go around and make sure everybody knew exactly what it says, the words it says. Vacharkach limdum pirusha mitzvahs. Once they were sure they knew the text, they would then teach them the explanation. It included many ideas. They would write out the mitzvah. And they would learn um, out loud, they would learn uh, by heart the, um, the, the, the other part, the Pirish part. Now, Let's first discuss this and, and a little bit as follows. Um, why does why he go through this whole story as the way it says in the Gemara? Beautiful story about how you come in, they would learn four times, three times, two times, hear it from him, he would hear from him, they would hear from them, and so on. Um, it's very, very nice, but the Ramam is giving us an explanation. Uh, he's giving us an introduction to Toshua Peh. And one would assume the Rambam being true to his form would, 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 would sort of stick to what's relevant. So it, a nice little story like this takes up a lot of space, and it's a digression. What, what, what's being taught with this? Why is this of any significance? So I, I think what the Rambam is trying to say over here is this Torah Shabal Peh, this learning from somebody, this actually requires that Torah go through a very clear mesaurus. In other words, the story over here is not just a nice story about how things went on, which is not, not of any particular interest. It's rather telling us that he threaded the needle of Torah Shabal Peh. In other words, he taught Aaron, and Aaron heard it the most times from him and therefore is the greatest authority. Aaron didn't teach everybody. He taught it to his children. And in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu was ensuring two things, that there would be a system, a hierarchy, of Rebbe to Talmud, Rebbe to Talmud, Rebbe to Talmud. And the first four instances all heard from Moshe. So if they heard something from the Rebbe that didn't make sense, but how come Moshe said it differently? It, it, it was a way to thread the needle of Mesorahs and yet have a check for the first four um, strata of, of, of Mesaurus. That's what I think the Rambam is trying to bring out. Let's just go one more piece here. The list, a line from the bottom. 
sorry. Yes, maybe, please. Maybe teach us how we should do it. But it's very hard to reenact this. In other words, very few people have like four generations where they're going to... I mean, it, it's, it's a whole lineup. It's hard to get something out of this that we could apply practically. I mean, you know, it, it's... it's um, the top of the Chazorah, we're going through it again. Like so that is correct. Times. So Chazorah four times important. But this was a very unique structure. He could have said... Moshe Rabbeinu could have pulled in everybody and said, okay, I'm going to teach you this. I want you to Chazorah four times. I'll repeat it four times. And this is where you should learn it, it, it went with a very, very clear hierarchy of I heard it the most, then Aaron, then the children, Skane and so on. Vihine, on the right hand column, two lines on the bottom. Vinochal Marshall. Let's give it an example. Hakarishparku Amalamosha Besukas Tejashibas Yavin. Kashparku told Moshe sit in the sukkah seven days. Achakain Hodia Shasukha so that's a statement. Achakain Hodia it's men only. Sick people don't need to sit in it. And not travelers. It needs to, to have um, some plant covering it. And so on and so forth. It goes through all the details of sukkah. Um, and <coughs> so when Moshe came, that's exactly what he was told. He was told, Moshe, is the mitzvah. Let me explain to you the details. Um, I want to go back to one line before. Um, go back to, to four lines from the bottom. Five lines from the bottom. The famous Rashi, I'm sure you've heard it quoted many times. What does it mean, Hashem told Moshe and Sinai about Shemitah? So the, the, um, the Rambam understands this commonly quoted Chazal when it says Kloleo Proteo, means the mitzvah as is written and the details as they are as they are given to us. Um, the Rambam basically this is what the Rambam says. The, the Rambam then proceeds to discuss um, how to deal with 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 machlokes. Before we we proceed to that paragraph, I, I want to just perhaps offer an explanation. The Rambam, in this piece, in this line over here, is offering some explanation as to this unique structure. Why didn't Hashem say in the Torah what he meant? So one explanation is it would be too big, too, too, too many details. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, we have printed chances, but maybe writing it out longhand would be difficult. Why, why didn't Hashem put it into the Torah? So, Rabbi Tass spoke about yesterday, I think, you know, and he said something yesterday that I think is, is the explanation of this type of thing. It's very important to bear in mind the distinction of what is the klal and what is the prat. Um, let's give an example. When they have reading comprehension exams, um, the the um, one of the basic reading comprehension exams is they will give you a paragraph with many details, and they'll ask what is the subject. Give a title, give a caption. That's an exercise in depth of understanding. Some people have fantastic memories, and they can rattle off knowing the entire phone book, New York phone book by heart, is a tremendous feat of absolute useless um, application, unless you want to work as a phone operator, I guess, and I, I can't think of anything else. I, I knew somebody who was an off-the-charts genius in languages, and he knew 22 languages fluently, would be able to translate one from the other almost instantaneously. This person was a peculiar person, a wonderful person, very peculiar. So he put out a sign, like, he could do that. So he could do... He could do Welsh to, to Italian instantly, but the market for Welsh to Italian <laughs> translations is limited. 
and and he, he the poor man basically he, he starved to death. I mean, I mean, I he, not not literally. I mean, his parents. He basically with his parents. He was he was kind of whatever he had in terms of raw brain power. He was lacking the ability to to get things there. But it's absolutely useless. So understanding what the core is and what is the details really gives you a comprehension of the entire thing. So if I understand, tefillin is a zikaron and an os. So now all the details come together in a certain way. It's, it's a way, if I understand Shabbos is menucha. So all the pieces, for my grasp of something, the, the ability to understand what is the klal and what is pratim helps me in many ways. It helps me in my personal grasp of it so I can relate to it. So when I put it on tefillin, I am, I am, uh, it's not, I am uh, putting on, <coughs> I, am, uh, I am putting on something to remember and a sign of something, and everything else is going to be some detail, and so on. A shofar is a type of tefillah. That's what the Pasuk says. It's a cry out to Hashem. It, it includes millions of details, but, but again, understanding the klal and the prat gives us a, 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 the picture of it. And it, also, and it also helps us one more area. When we're trying to determine halachas that are not in any sense it, 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 a detail of it, it's just something new, where is it appropriate for Shabbos not? Is it appropriate for this or not appropriate? Knowing what the klal is helps us a lot of that. Yes, what did you want? I would understand uh, where it does go into like very fine detail. Well, it, well, it, if, if the detail is necessary, then we need to have it. In other words, in the world of details, what do you mean, where the Torah goes into details? It, it, it never will go into a detail unless that detail is very significant. And, um, for instance, let's give an example. In Shabbos, let, let's take Shabbos. So let, let's, let's, let's take two or three examples. Okay, let's talk about some examples. On Shabbos, it says the only one that's mentioned in the Torah really is those Sevara Eshkon Shosechem, Shabbat make fire. Remember, Mechayah says, since fire and energy is the root of any activity, in other words, if I had to pick one malach in Shabbos that would typify what Shabbos is not, what menuch is not, so fire is energy, work, and so on, and that's why that's singled out. You're bringing out the Mishkan. The Mishkan is a very good example. There's, there's, there is a unique halacha that, reply, that applies to the world of Kachin. In, in many other halachas, the Chachamim can use logic and svara to guess at um, details. And, and many Gemaras work like that. It's a svara. In Kachim, which deals with Kabbalah's Vishkan, there's no guesswork. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says it, it there's a question of Dovra Melech, Shlomo enlarged, enlarged the, the, the Mizbeach, enlarged the whatever, and they asked, how was he allowed to do it? It says, Hakol Biksav Hiskelolai. That everything had to be written. Akadosh Baruch Hu gave me everything in writing. In other words, the Mishkan is so beyond us that we cannot extrapolate any detail on our own. So the way the Torah gave it to us was, I can only give you the details because the, the Kalal here doesn't. It's, it, a pirish means something I can sort of have a handle on. So, so <coughs> Mishkan and, and like that is unique because it, it's, it's of the nature where every single element is divine and nothing that we could call a pirish. Okay. You know what, maybe one... Uh, you know what, yes, okay, so let's, let's, let's take a few minutes break. That's good. It's a good place to stop and, and then we'll go a little further. Okay, great.